Welcome to the Global Business Women's Pod, brought to you by the Greater Houston Women's Chamber of Commerce. I am Susan Dyson and proud to be the CEO, President, and Founder of the Chamber. Please join us for this empowering podcast every Thursday at 6 p.m. Hi, my name is Samina Farid, and I'm a board member of the Greater Houston Women's Chamber of Commerce. Delighted to be a member and delighted to be here with a, a company that I'm extraordinarily impressed with and one of the founders of that company. Smiti, why don't you introduce yourself? Um, yeah, sure. Thanks for having me, Samina. I am Dr. Smriti Zanaveld. I am a scientist, founder, and president of uh, a medical device startup called Lazarus 3D, where we are enabling surgical perfection through uh, a platform that we have built that allows surgeons to rehearse every surgery before they operate. So what's very cool is that when I met, a couple of years before I met Smitri and Jacques, her co-founder and husband, I had actually gone through a surgical procedure myself. And I had gone through a Whipple surgery, which is, uh, they were concerned that I had pancreatic cancer. And I remember when the doctor here in town told me, he said, uh, you were probably going to be, it was going to be a robotic surgery and I was going to be the first one they did robotic surgery on for the pancreatic cancer at the um, head of the, of the thing, and I was terrified. I was so scared. What do you mean I'm first? Because we expect our surgeons to be trained and have done thousands of them, so it's perfectly, you know, like secondhand for them to do that. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of years later, uh, fortunately, of course, I'm still around, uh, and it went well, but it, it was very frightening. And what was frightening, though, is a couple of years later when I met the two of you and we talked about surgery, could you share with, with, with me what, what you told me about what happens for doctors and surgeons before surgery? Yeah, so that's, uh, I'm very, you know, grateful that everything went really well for Thank you. you. <laughs> uh, but I think for your surgical team, what they were doing they had never done it before, right? And that's really daunting and, um, and it's unfortunate because what they, uh, you know, when they diagnosed you, right? They had the MRI or the CT scan and that's how they diagnosed you. So MRIs and CTs are 2D stacks of images that, you know, there's uh, tens or hundreds of them. And so they're looking at that information slice by slice and creating a plan, devising a strategy um, and an approach for what they are going to um, do to treat you. And um, I think that is a skill to take that information and absorb it and then render it in 3D in your head and then create a plan and, and execute it. Yeah. That's a lot of um, skill mm -hmm. and somebody that has done this thousands of times will know what they're doing but even those, um, even in those situations they will encounter something that you know uh, surprises them. So and in your case it was definitely a unique situation because they'd never done this before, right? So the surgeons that are operating that have done thousands of procedures in their careers and, and really are the experts and the pros get those cases mm -hmm. where no one else is going to, you know, pursue this high-risk procedure because they know that it's going to be difficult and it's going to be a unique set of challenges. That's where we come in, right? So we take that... 2D information, render it in 3D, mm -hmm. and not only is it digital, but it's physical, right? And so not only is it physical that you're going to look at it and, and show it to Samina and say, hey, you know, this is why your condition is challenging, which I think is an incredible, you know, advance from showing the patient just uh, gray and white images. Mm -hmm. That's 
very uh, limiting to the patient who is not a radiology expert, right? right? Um, in our case, with PreSure, the preoperative surgical rehearsal platform, the surgeon is able to actually cut into it and whatever plan they had devised and created using their expertise, they're able to execute it. So that is kind of a, a new era in surgical planning that never existed. I, I, I was astonished, Smithy, when you started talking about how surgeons actually practice, and I'm glad they practice, they actually practice like on uh, on plants, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Let me yeah, let me <laughs> let me tell you about that. So, so this is a story of um, of how we first actually learned more or learned, uh, you know, from the get go of how how training is done in medicine. So we, you know, that I I went to Baylor College of Medicine here, and Jacques and I both were students there. Mm -hmm. So we were on the shuttle one day and we overheard this conversation where a senior resident was telling their colleague about how they had operated on a green bell pepper. And so that, to me, really, it was a jaw-dropping moment. Mm -hmm. It was a shock and confusion. It was all like very in the moment feeling where my heart sank and I chuckled. Yeah. And so then the resident looked at me and I was like, well, that's totally a joke, right? Yeah. And and they said, no, that's real. Yeah. They. Actually, then I ended up going to the, the facility where residents and fellows and surgeons train. And so a young medical student will learn how to do sutures on a banana. And that's part of the curriculum. And resident will learn how to do procedures on a pumpkin. In women's health, they use a papaya. In uh, gynecology and, and in urology, they use um, bell peppers, right? Mm -hmm. And so... I was like, well, what's next? And he said, well, I have seen a lot of people, my, my uh, seniors, perform the surgery. Uh -huh. I have done it on the bell pepper, and uh -huh. now I'm going to have my first set of cases. So you're also saving vegetables for eating, too, then. <laughs> right. <laughs> <With> your... <laughs> right. And, and so it's not just vegetables, actually. It's cadavers mm -hmm. and as well as animals. So animal parts sometimes that are, you know, explant tissue that's just removed from the animal, and sometimes live animals. Mm -hmm. And so I think all of that had been the gold standard because no other alternative existed. And certainly in all of those situations, none of them have the disease that the surgeon is trying to treat or a, uh, able to sort of like exercise their, you know, skills to obtain that level of, um, Exactness. of training. Yeah. Exactness, right. And so that's, it was, I understood why they were doing that, right. but I still thought that it was ridiculous. You know, what I think is interesting is we all talk about precision medicine, and I think that's what we're realizing, and one of the things that you guys are doing so well is that you're catering to the specific patient, because what we're realizing is everybody is different, everybody's situation is different. So I say, I mean, and to me, that's, that's absolutely uh, amazing what you do. I will say that when I was checking on you guys, because I'm also part of Golden Seeds, and Golden Seeds has an investment in, in the company, I called a doctor, and I believe he was in either in a surgeon that you guys have given as a reference, and it was interesting to me. Um, uh, he was either in Boston or somewhere, but he, he said to me, he said, Samina, it, I have to tell you, he said I had a very, he very experienced surgeon, and yet he said I had a very, um, difficult case and it was uh, I was really and this is kind of cool he was he showed his vulnerability so I was very very nervous about it and he said just the fact that I could I was stressed about it and just the fact that I could actually rehearse 
gave me a lot more confidence. You're actually helping surgeons a whole lot with this right. thing too. You're finding that they're really seeing this as an opportunity for them to feel more comfortable as well. Yeah. I, I think that all the surgeons we work with um, have a heart and they want to do the best for their patients. And that's you know probably true of every surgeon. Mm -hmm. um, and we want, as patients, we want to have that trust mm -hmm. in the system and you know in the surgeon and in their hands that they are the expert. Yes. And I think in your example of the you know the story that you shared that was probably the conversation you had with Dr. Watson mm -hmm. and he was That's at right. uh, the Boston Medical Center now he's at Harvard um, and um, his uh, one of the cases that he had done at the time the patient did not speak English. That's so that right. was another factor, right? Mm -hmm. Is how do you get informed consent? How do you educate the patient? Yes. How do you reduce that barrier to the uh, anxiety that the patient is facing in that moment, right? And so this, it exudes confidence. It conveys trust. And for the surgeon, yes, in his case, he was dealing with something that was atypical and the tumor, it was um, difficult to navigate through it and it's so important to get that surgery done in a um, sort of like the time is ticking for, for kidney cancer patients. They clamp the renal artery and they have a set amount of time. And then they wanna make sure that they wow. haven't left something behind. That's true. So, sure. Right, and for them, they are such experts at their job and at, at their skill. No one is questioning that, but when they recognize that there is this now, like this new ability to rehearse that individual's upcoming case, they're like, well, why not, yeah. right? Well, talk about caring. I have to tell you, one of the things that also impressed me about you and Jacques so much was soon after we met in 2019, uh, what happened, we all know in 2020 was COVID. And I remember that call, I got, we had just started doing funding for Golden Seeds, and I remember getting this call from Jacques and he said, Samina, he says, I think we're going to have to put this on hold. He says, and I'm getting a little misty-eyed, because he said to me, he said, we have a serious problem. We have a lot of colleagues in the medical industry, and I think we need to really focus on seeing if we can help them. And so you guys did an interesting pivot. You want to share we a little did. bit of that story? Yeah, so at that time, you're right. We had just visited um, the New York office uh, and met with all of the awesome people <laughs> there, and Loretta was there, Joanne was there, everyone was there and it was a fantastic experience. So we get back and right at that end of February timeline, uh, you know, we uh, obviously are very engaged with a lot of hospitals here and we start getting all these calls and everyone's like in a frenzy and they had already at that point run out of supplies, critical supplies. Um, surgeons were wearing garbage bags in the OR. Um, they were reusing their masks and everyone knows this whole story now, right? So we pivoted to, it was like this sort of war room decision that we made and it was with our team, which was very, very small at the time, it was like four people. <laughs> and we pivoted to this um, goal, which we were all aligned on and we couldn't have done it without that alignment, um, to provide, to, to bring quality products to the hospitals that were working with us and needed us in that moment and um, to use our technology you know, 3D printing and the 3D printers that we had um, to really, you know, act in that moment to deliver what they needed, right? So we completely put Lazarus Business on hold 
pivoted to manufacturing, uh, you know, face shields, which we had designed and like vetted and done stress testing all within 72 hours. And we were able to do all this because we had established relationships with, you know, amazing surgeons and they were able to get us that feedback so quickly and we iterated. And then we were making, I don't know, it was like thousands a day or I don't even think it was that. It was like hundreds a day. And they said, no, we need, we need hundreds of thousands, right? And so when leadership from Kai St. Luke's calls you and says, hey, you know, can you help us? This is what we need. Yeah, that's what you do. So we built, um, we put up this factory that yeah. was making toys yeah. and sort of like we worked it and they were making face shields. And within, I think it was like within three weeks, got those face shields delivered. And I have to say, it's pretty amazing that you were able to get all of that done and the testing done, because you had to have it for medical people. It would have right. to be very specific. It had to be comfortable. It had to be the right fit. It had to be quality product. It had to be uh, mass producible, right? So face, 3D printing face shields was going to be ad addressing like the today, but yeah. not the week, not the month or right. the, the years that followed, right? Yes. And um, we were able to make that happen. It was a very different kind of business model, yeah. high volume, low margins. So right. we had like sense margins. It was just to keep the company alive. This is pretty much how, how we all got started, right? I was in the process, I had just, I had also just joined Golden Seeds and we were, you know, Houston is now kind of booming, but we, it's still at that time we were looking where is our innovation and our talent? And we knew it was there, but where do we find it? Yeah. And here we turn around and I had a chance to meet you and Jacques and I go like, okay, now we're talking, now we're doing some really, really interesting stuff. Because I, I think you were one of our earliest investments here in, in Houston for Golden Seeds. And all of a sudden we bring you to, to New York and stuff. So I think it was here, right? In this yeah, room? It you was this share? room. It yeah. was in this room? Yeah, so um, <laughs> I'm not sure like people will see, but this is the uh, Greater Houston Women's Chambers of Commerce office, and this is also where Golden Seeds has their office hours, right? And so, Samina, you and I, we met at the Open Houston, where I won that mm -hmm. huge check, which I yes. still have the $10,000 check, uh, which was so gracious uh, for Open to honor uh, us with that. And, uh, of course, we were very, um, you know, we used those, uh, those funds very wisely. And so... Then we met and you invited me to come in this room and I was right here and, you know, I was giving my talk and all the people in the room were women and it was a, an amazing opportunity for me to meet so many people that are inspiring to me, right? You built an empire oh. in <laughs> a, a, uh, in a industry that was solely male dominated and killed it, right? So, and so then also Juliet Breeze, who was actually on the panel today for the future of healthcare, and um, I heard her talk and, ex and share her story, and that's so inspirational. Thank she you. is a champion, a leader, a powerhouse, and she's so supportive of all women in, in the Houston community. She'd invited me to breakfast for Ignite and, so, and all I, of these so things. So what's really fun, so we meet her, and I have to tell you, we meet her, we introduce her, and I couldn't go, but I remember several women, Catherine Peake, Juliet, they march over, they go, and we're gonna check out their offices and see what you really do. Yeah. And ended up with Juliet as a client, right? Yeah, yeah, I so mean, she works with us, and. Uh -huh. um, 
and she's done introductions for us. And Dr. Uh, Valerie Bahar, she went over there too and started working. Dr. Yeah. Bahar too, yep. Yes. And so now University of Houston just built their medical school. I think that the ecosystem is definitely um, in its infancy, but it is growing and it is definitely in a, in a very positive and, and, and direction. And I will tell you from our perspective, we were so proud to bring Houston Innovation to to Golden Seeds, which is about 350 members, and they're out of New York, largely in Silicon Valley, Atlanta, uh, Boston, and all. And so we were bringing, we were delighted to bring, I would say, the finest of the finest here with you guys. Oh. And I know they were enthralled as well. I know Boston, which does a lot of medical stuff, were going like, this is a cool company. Yeah. So we were very proud to be part of this, part of your uh, your journey over there as well. So, well, yeah. thank you. I think it's cool for me to be back here, like, Four years later now, uh, right? And and time has definitely just um, you know been flying by, and and it's cool for me to come back and just like see the same setting and the same environment and the same people. And Susan's here, and I think that you all are incredible. And what you're doing, really, not just talking about it, you're actually following through on on your goals and and to support women and to build leaders of tomorrow um, by example. I think that's a different way of leading and, and uh, mentoring and building this community. I think the building. stories that you told earlier about women sometimes being looked upon as perhaps because of our mannerisms as meek or not capable is one of the things that we really need to fight. And yeah. I'd love to see women like you who have come across so strong, so capable, and, and uh, I remember Mr. Wonderful saying that too, right? Yes, <laughs> he yeah. was impressed with you as well, which I yeah. thought was very cool. That, yeah. that just, I think that speaks to the kind of people you are. But be, you're kind and you do so much, then you came back in and said, okay, now we're back on. We're now going ahead and going forward with our vision for this surgical rehearsal and, and stuff. So, so walk, tell me now where, tell me where you've come to now. Where are it's you? It's been a journey, yeah. right? And mm -hmm. so this is a vision that really was something we we had in our on that shuttle, right? And then we built this out of our out of nothing yes. in our kitchen. And <laughs> now it's surprising to look back and think, okay, we are now FDA cleared as the first and only platform that is patient specific, so precision medicine driving care. Um, and safety in surgical outcomes for patients where this platform, PreSure, allows surgeons to actually cut into the, the anatomy of that patient. And it is a medical device. It is a diagnostic tool. And um, there's reimbursement codes for this. Like all this takes years right. and, and so much money. Right. And we accomplished that because we were determined and just very... Um, you know, adamant, and nothing was going to like shake I, us I think, out of it. I think right? we can tell that about <laughs> you. I, th I think that's pretty evident. So we did that. Uh -huh. Then last year we raised our seed round, and so some may call it a Series A round, but we were very successful in our fundraise, and that helped us really expedite um, our growth. Um, so growing the team, growing the facility, and the, the capabilities, scale up thinking about the next sort of phases of what's V2, you know, what's the next generation right. of that first FDA clearance. We're about to um, achieve that uh, hopefully in the near-term future. 
and that will unlock sort of like, I mean, untapped potential where patients that are uh, suffering from brain cancer, rare forms of things that even the best surgeons in the world are going to benefit from this, um, heart disease, um, tumors like pancreatic tumors, yes, and so your you. story. And so I think that is going to literally, um, and I hope that we can make this happen, literally change the game for, for a lot of people. And that's what we strive for. And, uh, and I want to build this company to achieve those uh, milestones, uh, you know, take it as far as we can get and, uh, and make our investors proud, everyone that supported us. Golden Seeds uh, supported us in the very early days and, um, and make sure that everyone is, you know, part of that <laughs> next phase of our, our, our I growth. I think the other thing that's impressed me very much is seeing this husband and wife duo go at it. So what, tell me, tell me what it's like working with your husband. So I have a problem with this question, right? <laughs> so everyone is so against working with their spouses. Like mm -hmm. they're just like, how could you? And I, I would counter that and say, how could you not? Like you built this relationship, you have the trust established, you know how you function and you know your strengths, you know your, their weaknesses, your weaknesses, right? Mm -hmm. You can use all this as a invaluable asset to partner with the best person, right? The, uh, what is it, the, the better half, right? Mm. And so I think for Jacques and I, we are so efficient, we work seamlessly. And right. it's just this sort of synchrony and, and harmony in that like energy that we create and our team sees that too, and that, you know, is just a uh, sort of like a, I don't know, it's it's very different, I think, um, how we work together, and everyone finds it intriguing, and I just think that, <laughs> like, that's how it should be, right? I do think it's remarkable when I hear you two speak how you both are so uh, passionate, and yet you don't speak over the, each other. It's, it's really fun to watch the two of you almost engage almost half and half equally, and, and it's really cool. But I find what's interesting is I, you use the term team over and over and over again. And, I, and you've talked to me a little bit about how important culture is and, and team building. And I know you're in the process of doing that. Could you share a little bit more how you feel about uh, how important the team is? Yeah, I think that a lot of people focus on skills and, uh, you know, resumes and, and sort of use that as their criteria to judge uh, who is a fit and who isn't. In our case, we want to build a team that really like the fundamentals of this core team has to be that they care about the mission mm -hmm. and they have to be 100% mission driven and that's the the culture and that's the the synergy and just you know like that there's that passion that's innate mm -hmm. and we look for that from within like when we're interviewing somebody that's what we're looking for and skills and all of this i mean you can learn, right? We yeah. built these robust training protocols yes. and SOPs and you know um, processes to achieve that. And I think that what you cannot train anybody is on, uh, you know, is is what comes from within. It's their commitment to this future where they want their family members, their loved ones, even themselves, to get that better, best quality of care. And and that's. Um, I don't know. I think we're still learning how we are finding those people. But I'm really proud to say that 
everybody, every single person on Team Lazarus is exceptional. I know, and you say that every time, and you speak to each one of them, and I, I, I find that yeah. wonderful, absolutely wonderful. But tell me a little bit more about what you're, you know, what are some of the lessons learned that you have, that some, some of the things that perhaps you would have done differently in this mm -hmm. journey that you've gone through, this remarkable journey that you've gone through? I think that early on, um, everyone underestimates you, mm. right? And so um, you shouldn't let that like rub off, you know? Um, I think that's really important to um, kind of be your person and not let that hinder you in any way, whether it's emotionally and whether it's, you know, through actions. You should just keep blazing through. And I think for me, um, I was really young when I finished my PhD. I can't remember now. I think I was like 26 or 27. And so when I, got, <laughs> when I got out, uh, you know, and Lazarus was my first uh, full-time, you know, uh, job, I guess, as a founder, everyone looked at me and they were like, who's this tiny person? Like, why mm -hmm. is she, uh, what is she doing? And so mm -hmm. I think a lot of people would, um, look at me, I would be at a, tra uh, at a conference or at a trade show and they would say, oh, so who, um, who is the founder and, uh, you know, who is the leadership mm. at Lazarus? Like, and I got really flustered and angry with that kind of um, response and engagement sure. from people and I thought that it was really harsh. Um, anyway, so I kind of learned from that and now, uh, this happened recently, actually, uh, at my last trade show where I was presenting. And I said, you know what? She's very busy right now. But why don't you come back in 15 minutes and, <laughs> and give me your contact? And then I'll just, like, you know, make sure that you connect with her. And then that person came by. And 15 minutes later, and I was like, oh, you're looking for the founder. Okay, yeah. So nice to meet you. I'm Dr. Uh -huh. Smithy Zanavelt. I'm the president and founder of Lazarus 3D. How can I help you? And that is... Dr. Smithy, you can see she's got the humor, she's got the passion, she's got the com com compassion uh, for doing this. And it's, such, it's been such a pleasure to have met you and work with you and continue to work with you. So thank you so much for taking the no, time to spend, spend with us and teaching us all about what you do. No, thank you, Samina. Really appreciated it. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you again next Thursday at 6 p.m. For more information about the Chamber and our podcast, please visit us at ghwcc.org.